Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast, right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? The interlull is over. It is done. It is dusted. We have got football coming up on Sunday. A trip to Watford, away to Unai Emery's team, and we've got the double whammy coming up of facing a former player, Danny Welbeck, and a new manager. But of course, the new manager is an old manager, so he's not necessarily a new manager. He's, what would you call him? He's secondhand. He's sort of a second-hand, sloppy seconds manager. I don't know how you would describe it, but Kike Sanchez-Flores is back in charge of Watford after Javi Gracia was sacked during the interlull. Anyway, we'll talk about that game a little bit down the line. Hope you're well. I'm fine. Still sort of recovering from my uh, my holiday. You know, when you go away and you come back and you think, oh, I've got to be, I've got to be good. I've got to be abstemious. I've got to, you know, take off some of those holiday pounds. All of those things remain true. But I have to admit, I am still pining a little for for the Basque country, for San Sebastian in particular. Um, my, my head is still trying to get around what a, an incredible place it is for food, for drinks, for cheesecake, for mussels, for steak, for peppers, for anchovies, for fish, for all the, uh, the delicious things that I ate there. But uh, look... I can go back at some point in the future. And I have to say, I really liked Bilbao as well. I didn't see a great deal of Bilbao because we were supposed to have a couple of days there. But Aer Lingus cancelled our flight, so we only got one day and didn't even get to go and see the Guggenheim. The hotel was right in front of the Guggenheim, and I didn't even get a chance to go in, which was a bit of a shame. However, however, there's always a silver lining. Always. So to get from Bilbao to San Sebastian, you take a bus or you drive. Uh, I guess you can fly or whatever, but uh, you know, it seems a bit seems a bit pointless when it's when it's an hour on the bus. So the bus station in San Sebastian is right up by the uh, right up by the the stadium, which looks amazing. I have to say, the Athletic Bilbao Stadium, uh, San Mames. I have to go and see a game of football there at some point in my life. Whether Arsenal are involved or otherwise, I don't really care because um, when you when you come to the stadium. It's just this beautiful backdrop of mountains and the river, and then in front of the stadium is a kind of a big uh, plaza, but then there's beautiful Spanish buildings in front of it. It's right right close to the center of 
the town. It looks looks an amazing place. Uh, but the bus station is just up there, and waiting for the bus, you go in, you have a you have a, a beer or a coffee or whatever it was, and we went in to get a, a beer or a coffee or whatever it was. I, I think it was a beer. And on the TV in the bus station bar, now bus station bars, as you I'm sure are all aware, are not necessarily the most salubrious places on earth. This one wasn't bad, but on the TV... They had a static image, and this static image was of George Michael, Elton John, and Phil fucking Collins. I'm not kidding you. Elton John, George Michael, Phil Collins. This is what they did for the whole time we were there. They would play an Elton John song, then play a George Michael song, then play a Phil Collins song, then play an Elton, then George, then Phil. It was like some weird, surreal, audio-visual hell on earth. I mean, Elton and George, I I can take or leave. They've got some good songs between them, but you know, if you listen to this uh, podcast regularly, and if you read the blog regularly, Phil Collins... Nah, that's just not, that's not acceptable under any circumstances, no way, no how. But when you don't have anywhere else to go and you've ordered a beer and you have to drink the beer, you can't go outside with the beer, you're inflicted. Phil Collins is inflicted upon you by the bus station in Bilbao. And I was looking to think like, who, whose decision is this? Who came up with this idea that you'd only have three artists, and those three artists in particular, the guys who, who work behind the bar there, did not look like they were going to be particularly big George Michael, Elton John, or Phil Collins fans. It looked like they might be into uh, slightly more regional, local music. So who the hell? Who the hell just came up? Who the hell came up with it as a concept in the first place? And why did it end up in a bus station in Bilbao? So if you are ever traveling from the bus station in Bilbao, my advice to you, if you have to get a drink in the bar because you've got like 40 minutes to wait before your bus arrives, make sure you bring headphones because otherwise you are going to get sous-studioed right in the air tonight. Nobody, nobody needs that. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Football is back and we're looking to get back to winning ways. Uh, we've lost one and drawn one of our last two. Obviously, we won our, our opening two games and one of the star performances in those opening two games, came against Burnley. And a player many people would like to see in the team this weekend, even if we do play that front three, is Danny Ceballos. The on-loan Real Madrid man has impressed, and this week he did a really good interview in The Guardian. I'm sure many of you have read it, and I'm delighted to welcome uh, the man who carried out that interview, Sid Lowe. Hello. How are you doing? Very well. Listen, um, first and foremost, the headline, and I know that's not something you're responsible for, but it says, Danny Ceballos, <laughs> I- I've hardly noticed any difference between Real Madrid and Arsenal. So yeah. It strikes me that, you know, there are very obvious differences in stature and, and everything else that we all know about, but it sounds like he's very enamored with life in London so far. Yeah, he absolutely is. I mean, I think the point he, he makes really is that uh, and obviously, look, this is this is born of a question. This is this is not a, a statement in isolation, but it's about you know you've you've moved from Real Madrid to, to to Arsenal, which in theory, of course, any move away from Real Madrid is 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 not one you would necessarily seek out, and 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 you would think in in theory at least that you're going to a smaller club. And he said, well, no, I've I've really not seen any any difference. He said he said we're talking about a really really big club. I um, mean, he talks you know this is the nature of any newspaper interview. You can't get everything in, but he talks about you know the size of it, the the, the quality of the training ground just the sense that this matters. 
Uh, and, and of course, that's bound up in things like the number of away fans that go to games, the seriousness with which it's taken, the way in which the, the if you like, the kind of the passion of the fans comes through. And, and he talks about that very, very clearly about the passion of Arsenal fans. And actually, incidentally, he talks about it very clearly in his experience of Anfield as well. So this mm. idea that, wow, English football kind of, and, and, and this is one of the things that we asked him at one point in the interview, is English football kind of fits with his idea of what football should be. You know, and, and he, he mentions three or four times that, I'm really, I mean, he uses two different phrases. One of them is to, is to say that he loves football. But the other thing he says a couple of times is, is that he's very football-ledder. And someone who's football-ledder is, the, you know, the kind of person who'll watch 10 games a weekend on the telly that would love to go to grounds, that has a real sense that, that football means something. Mm. And while it may be early to say this, and he admits this himself in interviews, says, you know, I, I can't say what I'm going to think at the end of the season. But right now, I had a very strong sense that, that he feels like he's, kind of found the place for himself that's that's interesting because obviously Real Madrid is a huge club and it's a big thing for any player to go to a club like that to realize that kind of ambition it hasn't really worked for him at Real Madrid and I'm I'm, you know as Arsenal fans are sort of looking at this and we're in some ways reluctant to get too invested in him because there's that feeling that well he might not be with us next season but he does have a complicated relationship with Zinedine Zidane and does Zidane's presence provide some sort of impediment to his Real Madrid future regardless of how well he does at Arsenal this season? Well I think it does I think just as importantly Danny Ceballos thinks it does and, mm. and I think that's, you know, in, in a way that's almost more important than the, the reality itself. Now, I think there are a number of reasons why Danny Ceballos' enormous talent hasn't necessarily been expressed in the success that it might be. And, and of course, one of the basic reasons for it is Luka Modric, Tony Cruz and, and Casemiro. You know, when you've got those three players ahead of you, by definition, your opportunities are going to be relatively limited. I think we even saw a, a small glimpse of that, perhaps, with the Arsenal lineup um, against Spurs. You know, if, you, if you're playing those three forwards, if all those three forwards play together, then maybe there's a, there's a risk from a manager's point of view in thinking, yeah, but if I put another creative player in the midfield, is that a creative player too far? Do I lose that balance? And I sometimes think the whole word of balance is cliched at times, but, but everybody, everybody thinks about it and they think about do we become too open? And so there is always that thing with, with Danny Ceballos. How do you fit a player of this nature into a team? And he, he talks about it in the interview. He says, you know, I'm a number 10 or a number 8. Um, and obviously a lot of teams really struggle to get number 10s into the side. Mm. Where do we put him? Where do we protect him? Where do we hide the fact that maybe he's a little bit anarchic? And, and there's a lovely line, actually, that, that my colleague Pete Jensen used in a piece about Danny Ceballos in the mail, I think, last week. When he talked to one of Ceballos' um, friends, and, and that friend says, you know, people talk about anarchy, but I would call this blessed disorder. You know, <laughs> we need someone who breaks from the, if you like, the tactical straitjacket of football. You need someone who does something a bit different, who, who isn't just a system player. And yet, of course, the problem is managers like systems. And it's quite yeah. dif- difficult to find a player within that. And I think Zidane has had a little bit of distrust of him because of that. But I also think in defence of Zidane, there's been a distrust of him because at times it's seen that Danny Ceballos could be erratic. It's times it's seen that he may be isn't as, as kind of committed as he might be because he plays with fun, because he doesn't always seem to be hugely serious, even though he loves football. And as I say, the fundamental thing, which is that if you've got three midfielders to go into the team and you've already got Cross and Modric and Casemiro, which isn't Ceballos' role, it's quite difficult to get him in. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting looking at it from an Arsenal point of view is we, we see these three forwards, Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe, and we see Unai Emery 
maybe, like you say, playing a little bit safety first and not necessarily committing to another creative kind of player. But at the same time, there's a need to connect with those forward players. And uh, I think we know that Emery and Mesut Ozil don't necessarily appear to be on the same wavelength a lot of the time. Um, And it's interesting to look at uh, Ceballos talk about how he has this uh, what does he say? He has a big margin for improvement. And he talks about, you know, um, wanting to be near the ball all the time. I mean, if he sort of commits to this improvement under Emery and could become that player who has a bit more discipline and can provide the connection between the midfield and those front three who are going to need somebody to, to do that job. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, I, I mean, in my personal opinion, the, the thing I was, I mean, I was taken by a number of things speaking to him. And one of them was this sense of seriousness, because I think we've, in truth in Spain, I think we've often thought, well, Danny Ceballos intuitively is a wonderful footballer. He's very talented, but he's a bit daft. Now, this <laughs> is a guy who kind of plays his own game a little bit, so maybe can disappear from it. So from my point of view, at least, the, the thing I was most struck by was that recognition from him where he said, um, and, and in, in Spanish, the phrase doesn't translate brilliantly into English, but he says basically, sometimes that desire to be near the ball gets the better of me. Mm. And and, and the phrase he says is, is, in other words, it overcomes me. It overcomes me, that desire to be near the ball. And that he is recognising that I need to learn to be more positional at times. If it means that I'm a little bit, it takes a little bit longer for the ball to get to me, maybe I have to accept that. Maybe I can't be trying to run every single element of the game. And and that, that is definitely a learning process. And he's not really a positional player as such. And it is about finding a way that either you harness that, that, that kind of intuitive football or you get him to, to use it, but use it only at certain times or use it only within certain parts of the pitch. And another good example, by the way, is he started for Spain in, in, in this international break and they started him nominally on the left-hand side of a front three. Yeah. Of course, he wasn't there. He wasn't there hardly any of the game. <laughs> but it was a way of saying, OK, we build the midfield, we put you somewhere where your freedom isn't problematic and where, you know what, you can go and play. And you can go and play and collect connect to everyone and as you you know you started the question by talking about the connection and someone's got to join that front three and to use a, a, an, an Argentinian phrase the number 10 position is quite often referred to in Argentina as the enganche the hook the connection point you know that that player who takes the ball to them and lets them play but then of course you've got to wander and 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 create a structure in which it works but the talent is 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 certainly there there's no doubt about that yeah the other phrase that popped up that you um you say it, it doesn't translate easy is the desequilibrio and sort of yeah. somebody to unbalance the game tip the scales and you said implies some undoing of tactics and formations and you know arsenal fans have been very used to arsene wenger and he sets his team out to play in a certain way and the focus is very much on what his team can do and the potential of his team whereas we've seen emery since he arrived definitely tailor his approach to what he believes the tactical approach of the other team will be so in in terms of having a player who can offer something to undo what the other team is doing it, it feels like Ceballos is a good fit yeah and I think that's right and I, I think it was it was quite interesting listening to Danny Ceballos talking about how Emery was saying to him you're going to have a prominent role you're going to like what we're trying to do because intuitively at least and I say this obviously from a Spanish perspective rather than necessarily a uh, an Arsenal one intuitively at least these two are slightly at odds in that Emery has always been seen as, as a tactical thinker as someone who plays partly conditioned by the opposition that he's thinking about how you nullify them how you compete how you create a structure and then at the same time he's saying to this guy who in theory is there to break these structures you're going to like this 
And so that suggests that, that he's seen a way that he thinks he can make this work, or maybe he suggests that he's thinking, OK, I can structure everything else, but let's have this loose element. Let's have this element that can, that can maybe run the game for us. And so when he's good, he will literally do everything. Mm. Now, obviously, the problem is he won't always be good, and, and that's, where, that's where that balance comes. And this is why in the summer when people said to me, how do you think Tobias will get on at Arsenal? I genuinely said to friends, look, he could be absolutely unbelievable. But it's also possible that he sort of fades away and we don't really see very much of him. Because if we can't get it right, if we can't get a place for him in the team where his kind of game works, then it might not work. And, and another element of this, which is only very, very briefly hinted at in the piece, is I spoke to one of his former coaches about him. And he, he, he said, and I mentioned this in the piece, that you know, the way that Zidane handled it was an, an absolute aberration. You know, this guy, you've got to build a team around this guy. He's so, so good said and and the point he made was and as i understand it he's very very serious about doing those other things right as well so there's other things about discipline about positional awareness about being absolutely focused on his football and it does feel like now obviously it's very early and, yeah. and you know i don't want to be in, in six months time maybe we'll be saying oh we were wrong about that but the early signs are at least that he's really genuinely determined to do this right and yeah, well, I mean, people were talking that you know his desire to do it right and his desire to to have a good season would be so he could go back to Real Madrid. But it's not beyond the realms of possibility that, as you say, Arsenal is a place that that really suits him. Um, in the deal, I don't think there was any obligation or any uh, potential uh, clause for Arsenal to buy him. It doesn't mean that they can't make an attempt um, if mm. the season goes well and they want to keep him. So. Um, you know, just finally, in terms of his suitability to to England and English football, you know, obviously there's the the weather, um, which is a which is often very different in England to to what it is in Spain. But it's not as if cold weather in Spain and in Madrid, in particular, is is a rarity. I mean, do you do you feel like that's something he'll be he'll be well able to to cope with? Well, he said so. I mean, and, and obviously, the, you know, the example that was that was held up is, is Jose Antonio Reyes because Reyes was from the same town as Ceballos. Mm. And this is very much the south of Spain. This is very much sunny Spain. This is very much kind of live on the streets uh, kind of place. Although it's a it's a humble town. It's not it's not Seville, even though it's not far from Seville, about thirty kilometers away. And he said, "Well, look, you know, me and Reyes are different in the sense that I don't care." I'm there to play football. You know, if I have to stay at home, fine. I, I won't feel the need to be driven by that. I don't mind if it's snowing. I don't mind if it's raining. I, it, it's all about the football for me. Now, obviously, it's easy to say that. It's another thing to, 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 to demonstrate it when those lifestyle elements maybe aren't the way that you want them to be, when you maybe don't feel entirely fulfilled about things perhaps beyond the pitch. Um, but, but as I say, I, I think you sort of have to look at this year um, in terms of an opportunity. And I think, by the way, you know, you started by, by suggesting that it's not beyond the realms of the possibility that he stays. I think it's sort of an opportunity for English football and for Arsenal as well. You know, it's an opportunity for Ceballos to prove he can do it regularly. It's an opportunity to prove that he can adapt, that he can learn some of those parts of the game that, that he maybe doesn't have already, that he can demonstrate maybe a, 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 a different approach, a different kind of personality. But perhaps it's also an opportunity for Arsenal to say, you see, Danny, you'll never be better off than you are here. You'll never play in a place like this. And of course, Spanish players, and Danny Ceballos, you know, let's make no bones about this, wanted a loan deal because he wanted the chance to go back because he's convinced that he can succeed. But also Spanish players have seen numerous times that they've gone out on loan, been very good, gone back to bigger clubs, and you know, forgive me for saying that, but gone back to bigger clubs and thought, actually, the opportunity isn't there. And it, and it may well be that, that, that if this goes brilliantly, that Ceballos thinks, actually, yeah, of course that's Real Madrid, but 
I'm playing really well here. I fit here. I'm happy here. And so no, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. Look, it's far too early to say that. Tobias himself is very honest about it. He doesn't know where this will end up. And the likelihood, of course, is that he returns to Real Madrid. But I actually think this is an opportunity for him. But I think it's an opportunity for Arsenal as well. Uh, just to kind of say, actually, you've got a place here. Mm, well, so far, so good. Uh, it was a fantastic piece. And I know you're under, under a bit of pressure for time. So I really do appreciate you talking to me. Sid Lowe, thanks a million. My pleasure. Thank you very much indeed to Sid Lowe. You know where to find him on Twitter. He is at Sid Lowe, also writes for The Guardian and is part of the Spanish Football Podcast. So if you like Spanish football and you're not listening to that podcast, why don't you start listening to that podcast? Search for the Spanish Football Podcast in all the usual podcast places or check it out on Twitter at TSF underscore podcast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Okay, with me now on the podcast, delighted to welcome back. I think it is the first time this season, isn't it? The man from East Lower. Hello to you. Oh, hello, and yes, it definitely is uh, the first time. First time in a while, actually. Is it? Do you feel neglected? Well, I'm- <laughs> Well, I didn't want to say anything, but you know. But yes. <laughs> How have you been coping with this uh, with this interlull while I was away growing large with food in Spain? What were, what, what did you get up to to sort of pass the non Arsenal time? Uh, well, I, I almost it's a bit weird because I haven't, um, and you can boo and hiss me for what I'm about to say, but I haven't didn't manage to make it to either of the first two games for sort of holiday reasons, and. Um, so I really don't really feel like it's properly started yet. And then it always just, you know, before it's properly started, it then properly stops. And then here we are again. It almost feels like you're kind of kicking off the whole thing again. Right. Okay. So this is a fresh, a whole fresh new start to the season for you. Uh, not this weekend, obviously, because we're away. But uh, yeah. uh, next weekend against Aston Villa, that's going to be your first game of the season. That is going to be my first game of the season, and I'm, I'm, I am looking very much looking forward to it. But mm. uh, slightly belated, but there you go. These well, things happen. exactly. What can you do when you've got holidays and family and commitments and things like that, which get in the way of going to football? Indeed. Yeah. Um, right. I, I'm going to start you on a nice, easy topic tonight, and let's talk about Granite Xhaka. Um, <laughs> straight in. <laughs> straight in, two-footed, off the ground, a bit like Granit Xhaka himself, it has to be said. Uh, what's your What's your take on, um, not so much Xhaka himself, because I think people's opinions of him are, are pretty well-formed at this point, but there seems to be a sort of 
hardening of opinion against him. He didn't really help himself in that game against Tottenham with that tackle. And and the thing about it is, was that, you know, there were, there were other things he did in that game which were good, but all you can remember is him clattering into to Son to give away a penalty. Um, I was listening to, I think it could have been James, talking to Elliot on the Arsenal Vision podcast this week, and he said something along the lines of, I don't know what he can do to win back people's affections, if not affections, some faith or belief. I mean, he can if he plays really well for a consistent period of time, but do you feel like he's got that in him? Uh, I do think he he's obviously trusted, uh, you know, trusted by that those who who um, put him on the pitch, and I think he is. Let's be honest; he's probably more, you know, he's much more good than bad. But uh, the, the bad bits are a bit glaring. But I think it's been said before that, you know, unfortunately, on the on the web and just generally, like you know, it's that kind of whole black and white thing. You're either terrible uh, or you're brilliant, and there's uh, often nowhere in between. But actually, I think with him, it's very much a place in between. Is uh, he's, he's pretty much a pretty decent player. Maybe you know, not an A level, uh, an A grade type player, but uh, a pretty good player who who makes makes the odd mistake. And that I'm, I'm not saying you know, I, I don't really agree with all that kind of booing him and and sort of hissing and all that kind of stuff because it just doesn't really help. And it, I don't think it's a reflection of what he really is, which is a decent player, but not uh, one that's ever going to you know. Uh, let's be honest, he's not going to get a move to Real Madrid or something like that. So he is what he is. He's he's a squad player and. Um, uh, I think he's mostly better than terrible. Does that, is that, does that make sense? Yeah. No. What a great what a great strap line that would be if you were putting <laughs> Granit Xhaka on the market. Granit Xhaka, mostly <laughs> yeah, well, better than terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've done him many favours there. Maybe I need to reword that one. But uh, yeah, I think mostly he's good. He makes massively um, and re- relatively frequent errors, which you, know, you, you tend to remember him by. But um, he does a lot of good work too. Yeah. But, you know, isn't that sort of a reflection of... Um, how you make your overall assessment of something, like if oh, you yeah, sure. if you went to a uh, a deli and you asked for you know their special sandwich every day and it was delicious nine times out of ten, but every tenth sandwich was literally dog turds. You'd kind of <laughs> stop going, and your assessment of that 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 deli would be, well. It's kind of not worth the nine good sandwiches because you have to eat one that's full of shit. Well, <laughs> that's a hell of a metaphor. I mean, I, on, bit, I, I, I do think that <laughs> I think I think we bought Xhaka at a time when he was probably about you know he, he was um, perhaps we either thought he was going to get a lot better or he was a, the only kind of player or the best kind of player we could have really got. Mm. But um, and I think we've moved on now. I think that's what to me is more exciting than sort of laying into Xhaka, who I you know like I say is an He's an honest, you know, he's that kind of classic honest pro. He's he's mostly fine, um, sometimes more than fine, and sometimes terrible. Mm. But uh, I, what I find more exciting than that, because he's got a job to, play, to do this season. We didn't move him on. He'll be here for the rest of the season, and and we should use him. But um, I also think it's exciting that we're beginning to edge forward newer options who who can so that so that we're not so reliable on on players that we. You know, find frustrating like him, and that, that's quite exciting that you've got these almost two midfields competing, an old one and a new one competing together, and and over the course of the season, which one, which ones come out of that? I think is quite exciting. But yeah. you know, Jacka Bijaka, Jacka Bijaka, that is true. But you know, you're obviously talking about the likes of Matteo Ganduzi, Lucas Torreira, 
Danny yeah. Ceballos, who I talked about in the first half of the show with, with Sid Lowe, um, and Joe Willock, who yeah. yesterday signed a, a brand new contract with the club. He signed a new deal in 2017. So this new newer deal is a real reward for for the progress that he's made. And in a week when we've been hearing a lot from Per Mertesacker about the academy and about the work that he's doing and how he wants to, to create a new English or British core within the club, Willock really is sort of the the shining example of that, isn't he? Because, you know, we, we had this, and still do, I guess, and I'm not writing him off in any way, but but Reese Nelson was kind of considered this up-and-coming star. He still is that, of course. But in some ways, I think what Willock has done by, by coming in slightly under the radar, he sort of captured the imagination a little, a little bit more. Maybe it's because he didn't have expectation, if that makes sense. So people were looking at Willock and seeing him scoring really good goals for Hoffenheim. And then there's a sort of level of expectation there already. Whereas with Willock, he looked like a young, promising player. We weren't quite sure which way he was going to go. But during the summer and in the early part of the season, he's really taken a step forward. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think I think most of us are guilty, and I certainly am of um, um, of not really looking beyond the first team. You know, I mean, I know, I know there are people, uh, the um, you know, who, who write for your site and beyond who you know are all over the, that kind of thing. But I don't tend to take a lot of um, pay an awful lot of attention to it, and that's why when somebody comes through, it does feel completely fresh. Um, and it, I think you're right. I think. It's it's he's suddenly he's suddenly there and, and and he's getting his chance and I also think there's something really nice about a, a sort of central midfield player there's some you know who can sort of dictate the game he can be if you're a winger you can be a little bit more in and out of the game and mm. um, but someone sort of a bit more box to box and all energy and and really dynamic I think is actually that kind of player we've missed a bit of at Arsenal anyway so irrespective of it being Willock. You know, to to kind of speed this midfield up a bit with that kind of player is is really exciting. But yeah, I really, I, I don't want to overhype the guy because uh, there's always a danger that he'll have a a bad patch or that something will go wrong. It's almost inevitable. But um, first signs are that he's getting, you know, he's getting the chance because he deserves it. And and I, I can't wait to see more of him, to be honest. Yeah, sure. And obviously, Emery has got quite a bit of faith in him because he started him away in Newcastle. I know it's the start of the season, and he, you know, your squad options aren't quite as. Uh, as full as they might have been with players injured and players coming back from injury. There's a good video on the on the official uh, Arsenal site where Joe Willock talks about you know signing the new deal and the influence that his dad has had on his career and everything else. He just seems a really nice, down to earth young man. The kind of yeah. the perfect illustration of what Per Mertesacker is talking about when he when he speaks about giving these young players not only an education in football but a grounding in life as well. Yeah, it makes it's, it makes so much sense. I love those photos, by the way, of the kids that have come through, and so you see them in, when they first signed up. It's brilliant, and then you see them now. It's uh, it's it is, it's really satisfying and heart and heartening when that ha- you know when it, when that happens. So um, he uh, he you know, you know obviously we had the same thing with Iwobi, who then ultimately moved on. So you never quite know what what will happen, but he has got. Um, uh, the faith of the manager. I guess where he's probably at that stage now, where he's trusted for the sort of Newcastle away games. Whether he didn't then play at Anfield, uh, he did. He did or, play at Anfield. Did he? Oh, he, did? he didn't play in the did derby. Oh, no, no, that's right. But then he was a bit injured, was he not? Okay, I take that back. But um, that, that's obviously a, a huge, uh, um, a huge vote of confidence from Emery, and, and uh, um, I, I could easily see him um, playing more games, for example, this season uh, than Özil. Which you know, and 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 I hope I hope he takes it. 
Take, take that chance. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was yeah. That, was that a little tut I heard? Though? Was no, it, was no, it, it wasn't a tut. It was kind of a, a laugh. Sigh. I don't know how to describe it. It was sort of just a, an exclamation of, of vague amusement that, you know, you, if you had said to me, imagine sort of, you know, even last year saying, well, Joe Willock will play more games than Mesut Ozil, uh, it would have seemed completely unfeasible, whereas now it doesn't necessarily feel that unfeasible because of, um, you know, there are various things going on with Mesut Ozil. Just none of them seem to be in any way helpful uh, for him at this moment in time um, because of you know, what happened at the start of the season with that attack and everything else was, was really terrible and disruptive because he did have a, a good preseason. But um, yeah, you know, with Ceballos in the squad as well, who might uh, appear to be a more dynamic option to, to play in a position that Ozil might traditionally play in along with whatever Emery thinks of Ozil. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, it's a testament to, to Willock's progress and uh, that that might be a realistic option, but obviously it's very early days, and, and it's we'll, very early. It's very early days. You're right, yeah. But um, I hope he can stay fit and and uh, and keep and keep uh, keep getting those appearances. It'll be great. Yeah, be great to- yeah. And I, I'll just say for the record as well, I hope that like Mesut Ozil does play a lot of games because if he is playing a lot of games, he's kind of performing to a level where Unai Emery feels like he can trust him and he can pick him because, uh, you know, if, if Ozil can recapture anything like his best form, it, it would be good for the team. Um, no, I, t- I couldn't agree more. And I, but, but I suppose what I mean is, and I alluded to it earlier, is what you're seeing with our midfield, which is what I think is massively exciting, is a sort of changing of the guard. Yes. And uh, it, hasn't, it doesn't have to happen immediately and it isn't happening immediately and so there will be lots of games where you've got Shaka and Ozil I'm sure there will um, uh, but there are also these other options and and what will be really fascinating is to see you know, which one comes out where, you know, at the end of the season which will be the midfield three or four that we end up playing more and I, you know, I think that, that makes, a, makes it a kind of exciting time for the squad yeah like Ozil is not the future I think that's fair to say yeah. it's not that he doesn't have a role to play now and couldn't have a big impact on the season but but uh, yeah he's not the long term future it has to be said two players who ideally will be part of our long term future are Hector Bellerin and Kieran Tierney more good news yesterday in that both of them uh, have returned to full training. Bellerin after uh, rupturing his cruciate in January and Tierney's had an ongoing problem um, since the end of last season. I think he didn't uh, he didn't really play during preseason with Celtic and has been injured. But when we talk about changing of the guard and uh, and that kind of thing. Bellerin has obviously been a fixture in the team for a while, but Tierney is coming in to replace uh, poor old Nacho Monreal, who now has to live in San Sebastian for the next few years. <laughs> poor guy. What a, what a trial and tribulation that's going to be for him. Um, you know, Kalasinac, not necessarily somebody trusted to play in a back four, and Emery, as far as we can see so far this season anyway, has has sort of wedded himself to a back four again. I think there will be times we'll use a back three, but we're looking at a a rejuvenation of a position that for a while people have said we needed to do with with, uh, Kieran Tierney in a a left back. And he shares quite similar traits to Hector Bellerin. They're both quick, good going forward, good defensively. Um, With fullbacks becoming uh, an ever-increasing part of the way managers want to play the game these days having these two back could be in some way transformative it really could i mean it really could uh, you know, there's always there's the usual caveats which is you know will bellerin come back the theory was 
really, really bad injury. And um, and Tierney, you know, he's not. Will he be fit enough? This, that, and the other. Will he adapt? I personally think he'll adapt absolutely fine. But um, yeah, it makes it. It does make it hugely exciting. Whether that, I think it will really help us uh, in lots of ways. Uh, I still wonder because some of the problems we've had defensively are so. Um, you know, ingrained, I suppose, uh, that they're almost ir- irrespective of the back five or four that we've played. Mm. Some of the same mistakes seem to have reoccurred you know, time and again. We, you know, we, it's old ground and somewhat frustrating ground, but it's true. And uh, I, I think it would be asking a bit much to, for those two to come in and suddenly everything is, you know, back to never letting goals in or one, you know, one sure. every other game or something. Mm. It's not going to happen. I think there's, I think it's more more fundamental than that. It probably needs a lot more work, but. It's 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 it could be it could be like you say uh, the beginning of something um, again very exciting and where they link up with everyone else um, and everyone loves a good uh, left and right back uh, those two could together be really really um, exciting yes yeah I mean you could see how they could be in the team for for years to come you know I was thinking about this as well because uh, you know um, if you think about left back we've had a lot of very competent left backs and that and I obviously put Nacho Morel in there I think he was. Uh, a very very good player but um have we you know i don't think since ashley cole we've had one that you you could really call sort of uh, i don't know top class. A, you know, top top yeah i think i think so and and i'm hoping and from what i've read about him and um that that you know tierney could be that kind of player so not to heap too much pressure on his shoulders but um uh you know i think it, it's uh, it's a really important position and he's a big big purchase 25 million is a big vote of confidence so uh long may he Long may you play and play, and, and well, let's get him in the side first. But um, I'm, yeah. I'm def- out of all our signings this year, I, I think probably, you know, alongside Pepe, it was, it was just those two I was particularly interested in. Or yeah, not, yeah, or I excited. Mean, I suppose. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you because you know you, you're you're making a a fairly big investment. You know, twenty five million pounds for a player from the SPL. He's the most expensive Scottish player of all time. So, but you are making an investment into into the future, and it it says we think this player can be the left back at Arsenal for a long time. I think what's interesting as well when you think about the team. Okay, Leno is our number one, and and when when we think about our front three, um, Pepe, Aubameyang, Lacazette, you know, you can see how they immediately fit into those front three positions. But behind that, you know, there's so much up for grabs. You know, if, if Bellerin and Tierney come in and, and you know, really take over as the fullbacks, we've got Rob Holding coming back as well to stake a claim at the centre of the defence, whether that will be for Luis or Socrates remains to be seen, if he can usurp those. We've already discussed the midfield where where places mm-hmm. are up for grabs. And sure. I think that's a really... It's sort of a. It feels like a um, a good environment for players to to really thrive. Like there aren't too many players for them to feel like it's impossible for them to get in the team, but there are enough options for it to be still something that demands their 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 focus and their motivation. Yeah, and that's the focus and motivation for the people that are established, but also those coming through. So I think it is a healthy environment, and um, and like you say, you know, I think these players will look at it and think, I have a massive chance here um, to cement my you know self in this team. And I do, you know, I, I do mean people like Shaka actually too. I mean, it may be too late for that, but ultimately, if he's not feeling the pressure of someone breathing down his neck, he should be. And and you know that's that could that could um, help focus his mind. Maybe I'm. Uh, expecting too much but it could do and uh, mm. I think it's a healthy a healthy place to be 
Just in terms of the front three, it was interesting um, in the Danny Ceballos interview that he did with Sid Lowe, he talked about Aubameyang being, you know, the great goal scorer, but the best player, he he said, was uh, Alexandra Lacazette. And we had this idea of this front three coming together and working in tandem, all hooking up and, and being brilliant. And I hope that's very much the case. But there are some slight issues out there for Emery to consider in that in order to play the front three together, he kind of has to play his best central striker out of position, Um, you know, putting Aubameyang on on the left-hand side. And it's not that Aubameyang isn't effective there and can't be effective there, but it's sort of not quite a square peg in a round hole, but a slightly square peg in a slightly round hole. It sort of fits, but it chafes a bit around the bits you don't want it to chafe, you know? Um, I mean, I suppose it's down to the players to prove that they can do it and they can mold themselves into this, into this workable unit, isn't it? Like Emery has to kind of try it and Mm. see how well it works, but ultimately it's down to the players to find a way to, to, to get the best out of each other, which is what we're all looking for, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And I think with Aubameyang, because the other two have only really, like you say, one position and he can play two, you might get a slight, uh, you know, a, a slight, might, some of his goals might slightly drop off, but I still think he'll score a hell of a lot of goals from the left. He tends to, and it's a pretty fluid. You can come in and you can come out. So I'm not too worried about that. But um, uh, yeah, of course you've got to fit them in. And ultimately, though, you know that it's. I, I don't think we've got like a team of the kind of divas who are going to throw their toys out the pram if they don't get their exact position they want. Sometimes you mm. do have to adapt, and I think Abamyang's more than happy to play there. It might not be exactly where he plays, but I think Lacazette. To be brutally honest, he's so good in the centre there. He does so much more. He doesn't maybe score as many goals, but he does. You know, all the whole hold-up play is, is so important in that position, and Abamyang doesn't really do that. So um, I, I think uh, it's if he's playing a three, I think it, it probably will be Abamyang on the left. And if he's playing a two, that's fine. You can, or even a one, and you can you can kind of move it around a bit. But um, I think we'll see him there a lot. Mm. Would you pick that front three this weekend away at Watford? Yeah, <laughs> why yeah. not? You know, um, I agree. Yeah. I, Fine, I yeah, would too. Yeah. I, I, do, I don't. You know, Emery's been accused of being cautious from time to time, and he may, and maybe he is a bit too cautious. But um, you know, Watford, I know they've got a new manager. Is that really annoying thing that always seems to happen to us? Like I think you mentioned it on the blog. But um, uh, ultimately, you know, they are they are struggling for form, and um, I think we should, we've, we've got to go there and 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 absolutely come out the blocks flying. So I would I would definitely play those three, and also I still think. You're right. They're not quite there yet in the way they know each other and play each other. Pepe's definitely not firing on all cylinders. He needs a lot of time, and he will be given a lot of time. But um, so the more they can play together and get to know each other and, and get to the swing of things, the better. And yeah. if you can't play those three at Watford away, then then you know where can you play them? Yeah, home against Spurs, I guess. But uh, no, I mean well, you're yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they do they do have to play together to build an understanding, to get on the same wavelength, to to know where one is going to be or if one does this that's where the other guy is going to be you know so I also think sorry to butt in no, I no. also think that this season you know he's not Emery's not going to iron out our defensive issues you know overnight and I think we're uh, we're better on the attack than we are trying to you know, try, trying to keep uh, the goals down as was proved at sort of Anfield where it didn't quite it didn't quite work so uh, ultimately I think we you know we're going to have to score our way out of um, the odd conundrum from time to time and mm. and they're the th- three best people to do it. 
I mean, there is something to be said that being more uh, offensive and more attacking, having more of the ball in the opposition half is, you know, a, a reasonable way of defending when you um, have defenders who aren't always that great at defending, if that makes sense. That, you know, changing the emphasis of your team um, can have an impact on on the goals that you concede. I mean, I think he's got to, in in the course of this season, demonstrate that there there has been a defensive improvement. I think he has to, you know. Uh, we're mm. not going to get into the top four if we concede over 50 goals again. Probably no, not, no. you know. So um, as much as we can talk about being better offensively we do have to show that we are we are better defensively too you know we've come well the last couple of games we we let in three against Liverpool um two against Tottenham yeah it could have been more two against Tottenham we uh, let in one against Burnley so you know it's six goals in in four games isn't it um yeah so you know it's it's sort of around what it was last season or averages out around what it was last season. Uh, I know it's still very early days, um, but, you know, I I think one of the things that we do need to see from Emery this season, personally, you know, I want to see us attack better. I want to see us be a bit more confident. I want to see us take the game to the opposition more, particularly away from home when you're going to somebody like Watford who are in the position they're in at this moment in time. But also, you know, just to have a little more faith, a little more security that when the opposition have the ball, we can deal with it and aren't going to, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot as much as we have. Yeah, I... I yeah, I can't. I can't argue with any of that. I think. I think he won't. He won't probably retain his job if 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 we you know if we let in fifty odd league goals this season again. Mm. Then, like you say, the knock on effect of that is that he may well not be in a job next year. So, you know, he has to be. He he'll know that he's not. You know, he he knows it's not a job for life. So uh, there's that focus for him to improve. And we, you know, and and I'm, I imagine he's putting a lot of faith in the whole Bellerin, Tierney, holding thing. But like I say, it's it's a, a bit more fundamental than that. And I think mm. there is there is, and there has been something else that's slightly missing, concentration, organisation, you know, that kind of thing, which um, has to come from training and, and from, yeah. from the top down. A, a fully functioning midfield, I guess, is one of the yeah, things well, that, that's that helps. That's why, you know, what is, our, what is our most fully functioning midfield? We don't know yet. Mm. Um, but it's going to be quite fun. You know, we're working it out. Mm. Very finally, um, you know, I spoke about Per Mertesacker and obviously he's back as the, the academy manager and has been in that job for a couple of years and seems to be doing good work. He was the one who brought Freddie Jumberg back uh, after his job at Wolfsburg, uh, went with Andreas Jonker. Edu is back at the club now. Freddie's part of the first team squad. You know, if we're not getting necessarily the band back together it's interesting to have these people with an Arsenal connection at the club and it's not just you know just because you're connected to Arsenal and you've got a, a, a status from what you did as a player it doesn't mean that you automatically should get a job and there's some very high profile players or ex-players who who have wanted jobs at Arsenal in the past but weren't given them um, but it is I think a it's a nice thing. It, it helps with the connection, doesn't it? In that, you know, for for some of the players coming through, for example, that Freddie's uh, bringing through from the under-23s into the, into the first-team squad, you know, they know what he did at the club. And for fans as mm-hmm. well, as we're, as we're looking at a club being refreshed and the playing staff, you know, over the last two, two and a half seasons is, is so different from what it was. You know, the amount of churn, the amount of players who've gone, the amount of players who've come in, you know, having these having these guys in these positions, I think, uh, gives us something else to to attach ourselves to. 
Yeah, and I think I, I was. I think you underestimate as well, maybe what when, when you've been a player and you've sort of sweated, um, uh, you know, you're on your blood and tears for the for the team, and you've gone through the good times and the bad times, and you've felt it along with the, you know, with the fans. Then I do think you develop a uh, an understanding that maybe someone else might not have. That's you know, like you say, that doesn't mean you're going to be any good. And there are plenty of examples where people um, with an Arsenal connection you know, haven't been or wouldn't have been. But I do, I do think they, you know, they, it's it works both ways. It's for them as well; they understand it. But also, people can look at that player and say, "Yeah, he was here." So it's cool. And you know, twenty-one years was it today or yesterday? Twenty-one years. Yeah. Signed. God. Where, I know. Andrew, where I, where have those years gone? Oh, I, I wish <laughs> I knew. I mean, like, it, it feels ridiculous. Um, it feels ridiculous. You know, I look at I look at the pictures of Freddie when he signed. And they were, there's a, there was a video on the official site, you know, Freddie's top five goals. And, uh, you know, there was a picture of Freddie on Twitter and, he, you know, he's, he's still a relatively young looking, handsome man. And then yeah. they showed him score, score that goal against Manchester United on his debut. And he just looks like a, a baby. He looks, like a, he looks like a baby, doesn't it? Yeah, he does. But, um, he's, I think above all though, with those two players in particular, you know, I think the thing about them, the Arsenal connections is a nice kind of, nice to have but I think with them what you're seeing is actually two very talented people mm. who would probably who would be who would be a success wherever they went doing what they're doing now I think there's something about Mertesaka we saw it when he was at Arsenal when he was captaining Arsenal and there's something about him he is a leader and he's, he's a really empathetic not you know he's, he's a lovely man uh, and I think with Lundberg as well you're seeing you know a really good coach coming out I and mean, again it's a, a bit from unexpected in a way yeah. for me I, you know, I would never have really looked at him and thought that he would come and be this quite great motivator and this um, fantastic coach and maybe it's even a bit too early to say that but, but from what you hear it's kind of happening and he's very very highly regarded and, and I, so I think ultimately they're just very good at that the yeah. fact that they play for Arsenal is an extra bonus but um, I think they're you know just talented two talented men yeah I mean he's very driven Freddie and, and when you think about the kind of profile that he had as a player you know the the Calvin Klein ads and and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that sort of put it in people's minds. You know, if you're going to be if you're going to be the model guy, then you're not going to be you know the serious football guy. And he's never looked. He's he never kind of sounded that. that serious, did he? He was always he always kind of had a light heart. Sure. Yeah. 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 Look, no. I know. It's him, just so your yeah. perception of of yeah. uh, of people. You know. I guess in some ways uh, there. Are, I guess similarities between him and Hector Bellerin. You know the fashion sense and the outrageous clothes that he used used to wear, and and the hair and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, different different era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I think it's I think he's you know it, it sounds like we're on the right track with both those yeah, guys so. for sure. So um, you know, hope, hope that carries on. All right. Well, look, if you uh, find out where those twenty one years have gone, will you let me know? Because I'm quite gone somewhere <laughs> along with the other 21 plus a bit more years, I regret to say. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> 21 years. I was there at his debut. That was one game I did manage to attend and it was brilliant. Yes. Not three, like I, I'm not going to remember much about it, but I do remember him scoring and, and it being brilliant. So that that's probably enough. 3 0 win. I think Tony Adams scored a goal that day as well. Like maybe. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Am I wrong? <laughs> do you think I'm wrong? Oh, do you know? I, I can't remember. Let's, he scored the main goal there. That's all you need to remember. Freddy. The other ones. Okay. 21 years. Was it 97, 98? Was it that yeah, season? Yeah, it was. Okay. Or well, 98, 99. 90. See, look, this is, this is the trouble with 21 years, isn't it? Oh, my God. Hang on. I'm going to look it up here. Um, Here we go. It was Arsenal. No, that was a charity shield game. Okay, here it is. 
Um, 20th of September 1998, he made his debut. Tony Adams did score. I was right. Ah, Nicholas Anelka uh, scored as well, and then Freddie Jumberg late on. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Okay, well, I know. That was a lovely goal. It was a lovely goal. It was a lovely day. It was always a lovely thing to beat Manchester United back then as well. It was ever thus, Mm. and will always be. Uh, Yeah, but maybe not quite as much now. But then maybe that's just the way it is when 21 years pass and, and things change as much as they do. We're getting wistful here, Jim. I better well, leave we it. We are. <laughs> uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks a million. Uh, no worries. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to the man from East Lower. Find him on Twitter at East Lower and very, very, very occasionally at eastlower.co.uk where perhaps me mentioning the fact that he has a blog might just force his hand a little bit to do a blog every now and again. Who knows? No pressure, though. No pressure. Right. It's Watford this weekend on Sunday, 4.30 on Sky, a trip to Vicarage Road, a ground at which we had a pretty difficult win last season, if I remember. It was towards the end of the season, I think, and we went there, and very early on, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored a kind of fluky goal, if I remember correctly. Not necessarily a fluke, it was down to his... I guess, hard work. Did he chase the goalkeeper down? The goalkeeper whacked it off him and it went in, something like that. And then a minute or two later, Troy Deeney got himself sent off. And you're thinking, hey, we're on easy street here. This is going to be a nice, simple win for Arsenal. But we were going into that period of the season where not much was simple. And our league form kind of hit a wall right after that. Because although we beat Napoli in our next game, we lost to Crystal Palace. We lost to Wolves. We lost to Leicester. We drew with Brighton. And that basically put paid to our... Our Champions League hopes that dismal end to last season. So it's been a tricky ground for us to go to over the years. But hopefully Unai Emery can elicit more out of his team this season than he did last season. Three points would be very good to get us uh, underway again in the Premier League. And of course, we do have Europa League to think about next week as well, because we travel to uh, Frankfurt to play Eintracht Frankfurt. And that is a game, I think, which will... Um, which will merit a little bit of pre-game discussion in terms of how we're going to approach it, because I feel very strongly that the group stages of the Europa League should be as much as possible for the for the young players and for some of the fringe players uh, in the squad. However, Frankfurt were semi-finalists in the Europa League last season, so maybe Emery will be tempted to be a bit stronger for that game, given that we do then have a home game uh, against Aston Villa the following weekend. That is something we will talk about in the Arscast Extra on Monday. Myself and James will be along to discuss the Watford game, all the uh, fallout, the repercussions, hopefully the celebrations, and then we can look a bit uh, ahead to the Europa League on Thursday. As ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. Always a pleasure to have you along. Hope you enjoyed the show. Have yourselves a great weekend. Until the next one, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
Hello. Have you heard about the Arsthletic? Yes, of course you have, because everyone on your Twitter timeline is telling you about the Arsthletic every single moment of every single day. Do you like articles? That's great, because we have lots of articles written by lots of writers who are going to tell you exactly how great the articles are by all the other writers. What a good article. Read this fantastic article. This is a superb article. If you like good articles, get on this because it's even better than good. And if you sign up to the Arsletic right now, you get a 40% discount. Plus, a special bonus feature, you can turn off the Arsletic writers talking about other Arsletic writers. We're kidding. No, you can't. It's all Arsletic all the time. And remember, you just can't mute us all. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 